Alhamdulillah, tonight is the 20th of May in the year 2023. And Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 27th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu. And already the blessed three consecutive holy months have entered. Tonight is the first of Zulqa'da. Uh, and Zulqa'da, Zulhijjah and Muharram are the three of the four holy months. And in this, in these months, the Quran mentions that you should avoid committing sins for the gravity of which increases. And of course, the hajis are now a month away from going to the blessed lands. So we've reached the point where I've mentioned the battle of the trench and the severe test that Allah Ta'ala put the companions through. And the last thing I mentioned was when an individual said to Hudayfa, I would have carried the Prophet on my shoulders, and or I would have fought side by side with him heroically. And Hudayfa radiallahu said, would you have indeed? So the report continues. So this is recorded in Abu Dawood, Behaki, volume 9, page 148. Behaki in his Delay il Nubu'a, 3-451-453. Hagim in his Mustadrak, Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq, 12-282. Al-Bidayah, volume 4, page 114. Kanzal Omal, volume 5, page 279. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 552-3 of the New English Translation. Hudayfa radiyallahu he said, Never wish for this. I, for you, do not know what trials we were put through. So the man said, we would have done this and done that. Hudayfa said, don't ever wish for this because you don't know what we went through. Then he mentioned, I have seen the time one night during the battle of the trench when we were sitting in rows with the army of Abu Sufyan above us, I outside of Al-Madinah. And the Jews of Banu Qurayza beneath us, i.e. inside of Al-Madinah, as we feared that they would attack our families. We had never before experienced a night that was darker than that night, nor a night in which the wind blew more fiercely. Indeed, the wind made sounds resembling thunder, and the darkness was so intense that we could not even see our fingers. So Hudayfa is explaining, giving a kind of a taste to those what they went through during the battle of the trench. And he mentioned the severe tribulation they were going through. And he's describing the night, one of the nights. He goes, it was so dark, I couldn't even see my hand. And the wind was blowing ferociously. Then he said, the hypocrites started asking Rasulullah for permission to return to their dwelling with the excuse that their houses were exposed to attack, whereas they really were not. He granted them permission and they stealthily left and we were left with approximately 300. 
So obviously, during the tribulation, the weeding starts taking place, and the hypocrites, they wanted to leave the front line. And the excuse they put forward was, our families are in danger. And then Hudayfa said, 300 remained. Rasulullah approached each man until he finally came to me. I had no protection against the enemy. And all the protection I had against the cold was my wife's woolen shawl that barely covered my knees. I was squatting on my knees when he came to me and asked who I was. So Rasulullah is giving encouragement to the Mujahids and he finally comes to Hudayfa and he goes, I was so cold. I only had a, a covering which my wife gave me and I was sitting shivering. When I informed him that I was Hudayfa, he said, Ya Hudayfa, reluctant to stand up, I shrunk lower to the ground as I replied, Yes, O Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So quite interesting. The prophets called him and he goes, I didn't want to stand. I was so cold. But I acknowledged and I actually started crouching even further down. But I finally finally managed and stood up. He thereupon said, something has happened amongst the enemy. Thus I want you to bring me some information about them. Although I was the most frightened at the time and feeling the coldest, I left, upon which Rasulullah made the following dua, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. O Allah, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, protect him from the front, protect him from the back, from the right, from the left, from above and from beneath. Subhanallah, I swear by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, that after this dua, every bit of fear and cold in me left and I experienced none of it. Mm-hmm. Subhanallah, a miracle happened. So obviously he was physically exhausted, he was tired. And when the Prophet gave him the orders, he went and then he made the dua. And he goes instantly, he goes everything left, he goes I was back to normal. Mm-hmm. Another report adds a detail. In Ibn Ishaq, Hayat al-Sahab, volume 1, page 556 of the New English Translation. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, Who will go and see what the enemy is doing and return? He thereupon stipulated that the person will return and added, I will make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he should be my companion in paradise. However, no one stood up because of the intense fear, the intense hunger and cold that everyone was suffering. But think about that. Rasulullah said, "You're gonna whoever goes, he's safe. He will come back, and in addition, he'll be my companion in paradise." So you're thinking they're all gonna snap you up? He goes, "Nobody stood up." He goes, "Why?" He goes, "We were starving, we were freezing, and we were suffering." In another report, the Prophet said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the person who will go and gather intelligence about the enemy." Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall then make him my companion on the day of Qiyamah. This is in Sahih Muslim, number 1788, in the chapter on Jihad, Ibn Kathir Sida, volume 3, page 155 of the English translation, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 555 of the New English translation. So this is the key part of the narrative. It's a long narrative. This is the key point. So 
what were the key points highlighting that this was a severe test? The first key point, it was it was a night unlike any other. The second key point was that nobody responded to Rasulullah's encouragement, meaning they truly must have been suffering. And Hudayfa himself was buckling, but when the Prophet made dua, he recovered. So that highlights how severe the test was. When people say, give me a glimpse of what was happening, you can mention this report. The narration goes on to relate that Sayyidina Hudayfa successfully completed his mission and upon his return, the call once again returned to him. Our beloved Messenger thereupon gave him his shawl and sacred verses from Surah Al-Ahzab, Surah 33 were revealed, indicating that the help and victory of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had arrived. Mm-hmm. So I've summarized. So he goes out and it's very important to highlight there was two missions. One mission was to high, uh, to spy on those outside of the trench and that was Hudayfa's mission. The other mission was to find out news of the Banu Qurayza within. That was Zubair's mission. So you don't get confused. There was two missions taking place. And Hudayfa was told that your job is only to bring information back because don't engage with the enemy. And Hudayfa said something very interesting, because I was amongst the camp. Now, how did nobody notice him? Because there's 10,000. So obviously you can easily mix in, cover your face, no problem. And he says, I noticed Abu Sufyan. I recognized him. And he goes, I got my arrow out from the quiver and I was about to shoot. But then I remembered what the Prophet said, said, in other words, just bring information. He goes, I could have got him. And that also highlights Abu Sufyan was decreed to get Hidayat. But then there's another report which indicates something very interesting. Abu Sufyan was a military genius, and he sensed there was a spy. So he suddenly gave the order, grab the person next to you and ask, who is it? So Hudayfah, he goes, I was quicker than the one next to me. I grabbed his hand. And he goes, when I grabbed his hand, he goes, who are you? And he goes, Muawiyah ibn Abu Sufyan. <laughs> and then he goes, I heard to my left that the person asked who he was. He goes, Amr ibn al-As. <laughs> so he was between, you know, Amir Muawiyah, who later became the sixth caliph, who himself was a brilliant politician. And he was between the fox of the Arabs. So this shows that Allah was protecting him. Why? Because you honestly believe they won't know it is him. The Prophet made that dua from the, a book from below. But he was, and all these fascinating things were taking place. And the other thing was quite humorous. They were suffering because he wasn't. So they were all shivering and, you know, covering themselves. And he's just walking about, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, walking a beach, you know, normal 30 degrees centigrade. So that was something strange. So he was actually, you know, um, acting that he was cold. He wasn't actually cold. So then the report says when he realized that Abu Sufyan was going to leave, he goes, damn this weather, damn this place, damn the Jews, damn everybody, I'm going. When Hudayfa got that news, he realized that the allies had broken and he was gonna, they were going to retreat. So he's now making his way back. When he's making his way back, he's suddenly confronted by horsemen with wearing turbans. So he thinks the game's up. He goes, I've been caught. But then suddenly they said, tell your master 
that Allah the Almighty has dealt with them. So Hudayf was looking, right? Doesn't say a word, comes over the trench again. Soon as he gets back, he starts shivering again. The Prophet is offering Salat, he gives him a shawl. And then the verse in Surah Ahzab would reveal quite a few verses. And Allah the Almighty and Lord has said in one of the verses that he sent the angels that you could not see. But what was the honor for Hudayfa? He saw them. And they actually said, we're dealing with it. <laughs> Meaning, this wind, everything is under our command. And notice that the wind should have annihilated them. But it didn't. The reason was, this was the mercy from the Prophet It wasn't like Ad, the wind destroyed them completely. It was the other wind which was soft. So, note that during all these incredible events, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was one of those blessed souls who had stood like a veritable rock side by side with our beloved messenger. Subhanallah. So note, in Badr he was there, in Uhud he was there, in the bar of the trench he was there, but he's in the background, you know, he's, he's like not prominent, but he's, you know he's there, his presence is there. And he also shows that he was very near and dear to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only thing which is fascinating, it was during the battle of the trench that Bilal was told to do the azan. So he did the azan and nobody turned up. <laughs> nobody turned up for salat. So Bilal goes to the Prophet says, Ya Rasulullah, what's happened? And then the Prophet وسلم, I think the report says he made a dua. And then all of a sudden they came from all corners to pray. And actually Bilal said, Ya Rasul, he made an excuse for them. Because maybe they're hungry, maybe they maybe they this, maybe they that. But look at the status of Bilal. He's not only solid, he's making azan in all this. So notice there's levels amongst the companions. But you can highlight some reports which indicate certain individuals. So again, moving on. Where the blessed name of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud is mentioned during the campaigns. Entitled, The Fateful Ambush at Hunayn. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had also then gone on to participate in the Battle of Hunayn, which occurred shortly after the fall of Makkah. Malik ibn Auf, the enemy chief at the time, he had brought with him their wives, children, livestock, which he felt would make them fight more bravely and would prevent them from fleeing from battle. So what's happening? Rasulullah has come to Makkah. He's taken it peacefully. Uh, most of the people have embraced Islam. Whilst this is happening, the powerful tribe of Thaqif, They've mobilized the force. So the Prophet now is having to deal with them. Our beloved Messenger had set off with around 12,000 men, the largest Muslim army to date, recorded by Hakim in his Mustadrak 2-121 Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham in his Sira 4-118 and others. Look at the figures. In the Battle of Badr, how many believers were there? 313, 315. In the Battle of Uhud, how many engaged? 700. 700. So, not even a thousand. Battle of the Trench, you're talking again, you know, hundreds. When Makkah fell, look at the jump. 12,000. So the reason is because these are new converts or reverts, whatever word you want to use, they've embraced Islam and they're heading towards the enemy. 
the enemy forces number 20,000. As mentioned by Hafiz Waqidi in his Al-Maghazi 2-893. So even with such a huge force, the enemies were roughly 2-1 in one, numerically superior. Some of those who had recently embraced Islam thereupon boasted of their numbers, thinking it was impossible to be defeated. The Holy Prophet ﷺ expressed his displeasure at this. And look, look how interesting. Who were the ones who thought we can't be defeated? It was those who had recently embraced Islam. So why did they think that? Because they were on the opposing side. Because <laughs> when we were huge numbers against the Prophet, we lost. So now we're on the correct side, 12,000. He goes, we can't lose. The Prophet showed signs of displeasure. Thus it was decreed that the believers entered into an ambush in the Hunain Valley and they were completely taken by surprise. It was related that out of the 12,000, roughly 100 kept firm. So I don't know what the, what's that in percentage terms? Not less than 1%. So imagine somebody says to you, in the ambush that was set in the Hunain Valley, how many in percentage terms of the believers remain firm? You have to go less than 1%. Mm. Well, where's the proof? In Tirmidhi Hassan, Fat al-Bari 16-141, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah stated Hassan in Sahih Sunan al-Tirmidhi 2-137. Abdullah ibn Umar, he said, I saw myself on the day of Hunin when the people fled. There were no more than 100 people with Rasulullah. So there's one report, authentic in Tirmidhi. Abdullah ibn Umar said, roughly a hundred, because that's all there was around the Prophet. Who were these hundred? It is mentioned in reports. In Ibn Ishaq, is Hassan, Ibn Hisham in Isira 4-122, amongst those who were firm, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Sayyidina Umar, Sayyidina Ali, Sayyidina Abbas, Sayyidina Abu Sufyan ibn al-Harith, his son. Sayyidina Fadl ibn Abbas. Sayyidina Rabi'a ibn Harith. Sayyidina Osama. And Sayyidina Ayman ibn Um Ayman ibn Ubaid. Radiyallahu ta'ala So this is an authentic report. So famous names are mentioned. Three of the Khilaf al-Rashidin. Abu Bakr, Umar and Ali. Rasulullah's uncle, Abbas. Abu Sufyan, not, not to be confused with the... Quraysh chieftain, the cousin of the Prophet, Abu Sufyan ibn al-Harith, his son, the cousin of the Prophet, Fadl ibn Abbas, and also other family members, you know, the, the children of Umm uh, Ayman, radiyallahu ta'ala. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu, was also amongst those blessed souls who remained firm at that critical time. Now, why is that very important to highlight? Physically, he wasn't very strong. In fact, he was one of the frailest of the companions. So he didn't have a, like a demeanor of presence. So if you're like Umar and you got a presence, you know, you would think, even then you think, mashallah, you were one of those less than 1% who kept firm. But for a man of the stature of Ibn Masood, for him to remain firm is something else. But how do we know he remained firm? In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Kathir, Sira, volume 3, page 451 of the English translation. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud himself relates, I was present with Rasulullah at the battle of Hunayn. The men, due to the sudden ambush, 
initially retreated from him and some 80 of the Ansar and the Muhajirun remained there with him despite the confusion. So stop in the report. So he explained, Ibn Masood because there was a sudden ambush and there was basically everybody dispersed. He mentioned 80. Is there a contradiction? No, because you don't count. <laughs> Abdullah Ibn Umar said 100, so he's, you know, educated guess. Ibn Masood said 80 amongst the Muhajirun and the Ansar. Then he said, we drew back some 80 feet, but we did not turn our backs to the enemy. These few blessed men were the ones upon whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down his sakina. So now he's explaining something happening in the so what happened was people literally left the Prophet. These 80 were still moving back. But they were not, it wasn't like you know, you turn the camel and you you know you you fled. They're going back like a an organized retreat of 80 feet. Then he said, these 80 receive Sakina. He didn't mention the verse, but I'll mention the verse. In Surah Tawbah, Surah 9, verse 25 and 26, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, he says, and on the day of Hunain, behold, your great numbers elated you, but they availed you nothing. The land with all its expanse constrained itself, and you turned back in retreat. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did pour down his sakina, his tranquility upon his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the believers and sent down forces which you did not see. He punished the unbelievers, those to see reward those without faith. So this is not part of the hadith. All Ibn Masood said was, it was these 80 or so upon whom Allah sent down his sakina. So he's referring to the verses. So I these verses in Surah Tawbah. He continues, Rasulullah was meanwhile still going forward on his mule which veered to one side so that he's actually slipped off his saddle. I thereupon call out to him, Arise, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala further elevate you. So what's happening? So he's describing as best he can. He's saying that Rasulullah is going forward. And the scholars say it was haram for the Prophet to retreat. So he's going forward and because of the, the strength the mule he was on, he, he actually slipped. So Ibn Mas'ud, look at his love for the Prophet, despite all the pan, you know, pandemonium. He goes, Arise, Ya Rasulullah. May Allah further elevate you. He said, Give me a handful of dirt. So I quickly gave him some dust or some sand. With this, he struck them in their faces and filled their mouths. I just in bother through a miracle. He then asked, 
where are the rest of the muhajirin and the ansar? I said, they are close by, Ya Rasulullah. He then said, call them. I did this and they came. Their swords in their right hands shining like stars. And the polytheists then turned their backs in retreat. So now, from this report, how close was Ibn Masood to the Prophet? You get this impression that he's right next to him. So everybody's, you know, most of the Sahaba, due to the ambush, you know, they, they left. Ibn Masood is not like, you know, where are you? He's right next to the Prophet. And what does he say? When he sees the Prophet, you know, fall from the mule, وسلم, he goes, Arise, may Allah elevate you, Ya Rasulullah. And the Prophet then just said to him, Give me some, you know, some dirt. Now, what's interesting? In Surah Anfal, Allah mentions that it was not you who threw, it was Allah who threw. Meaning, there was a turning point in the battle of Badr where the Prophet threw something and then the victory came. The same thing happened at Hunin. Well, who was told to get the dust or the sand? Ibn Masood. And then he goes, I noticed that that was a turning point. And then when he asked Ibn Masood, where are the Muhajirun, the Ansar, look at his love for the believers, he could have said, Ya Rasulullah, they left. But notice his wording, he goes, they're close, Ya Rasulullah, meaning it's not their fault. There's an ambush, he made an excuse for because they're close by. He goes, call them. And look how he described how they came back. He goes, when they came, their swords were in their right hands, shining like stars. Why did he, what did he mean by that? It was the brilliant midday. So the sun was literally bouncing off the sharp swords because the, the right hands, the shine, they were like stars. They were holding stars. And the polytheists then turned their backs in retreat. So note at Hunain, he was also playing a most pivotal role. But notice the details. Unlike any other of the companions, he would give you the crucial details of the encounters. And notice... His humility. He didn't say, I was solid. I didn't leave the side of the Prophet. What happened to the Sahaba? And he was hiding that. Why? Because obviously the Sahaba don't boast about their own virtues. But the fact that he was a frail man is truly amazing what he did on that day. So all I mentioned today was I gave the report of Hudayfa, not all of it, just the relevant part, what happened during the Battle of the Trench, how severe the test was. And then I mentioned um, what happened at Hunain very briefly and where the great name of Ibn Masood was mentioned yet again. Are there any questions? Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanallah Allahumma bihamdika ashtu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka wa tibullahi wa shaitan jim Subhanallah bihamdi rabbi al-izzati amma yasifun wa salamu alayhi wa muslim alhamdulillahi rabbi al-alameen wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 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 w